And, and good morning, everybody. My name is Gino Martini, the Chief Scientist for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society. And this is number three of our podcasts that we've dedicated to inform members about science and research and innovation. Today, I have the Chair of the Science and Research Board, Professor Christine Bond, who's based in uh, University of Aberdeen. Good morning, Christine, and welcome. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me to this series. Absolutely. So, Christine, could you uh, introduce the listeners to who you are and your career profile and your involvement with the RPS over the last 15, 20 years? Right. Well, when I graduated, I worked for Glaxo Laboratories in their um, research and development team, and I was doing a PhD there looking at... Uh, protecting vitamin B12 with preferential light-absorbing dyes. And then I took a career break when I had two of my three children and returned to do locum community pharmacy with a brief spot in hospital as well. So you moved from sector to sector. (laughs) I've done all sectors. That's great. That's a really wonderful role model. And then when we went to Aberdeen for my husband's work, I applied for a job in the School of Medicine as a researcher looking at the use of medicines, and I did a PhD in health services research on pharmacist prescribing, which was then unknown, but of course it's now come into being. And in that time, I led one of their education work streams for general practice, and I had a 50% secondment to look health board as chief pharmacist. So I've done management in pharmacy as well, and in that role, I introduced a lot of new community pharmacy roles and put my research to good practice. You're the chair of the Science Research Board. Why do you think science research is important to pharmacy? I just really believe that science underpins all we do as pharmacists. The word pharmacy means medicines, and to have safe and effective medicines, you need to understand the science behind them. That's from their development right through to their use, and we really are the, the only healthcare professional that have that scientific and objective way of thinking. The way pharmacists think is quite different from other people, and I really see that being in the School of Medicine and having been at the Health Board. Okay. I mean, I, I know from my own personal experience, having uh, worked in community uh, many, many years ago, that when patients come into pharmacies, they, they expect pharmacists to know how drugs are discovered, you know, how they're developed, how they're regulated, you know, how they're used and how they're uh, used there. A recent example I had was uh, a cousin of mine trying to swallow a suppository. I said, no, 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 you can't do that. That's not the way it works. That's apocryphal, that story. <laughs> so if you really have it, that's amazing. Science underpinning pharmacy and research on pharmacy, I think it's very important. I think the role of pharmacy has changed. And pharmacists, I mean, you alluded to the fact about prescribing, didn't you? Mm. You must be quite proud of the way, it's, it's, yeah, the way pharmacists become independent prescribers these days. I'm absolutely delighted to see the, the way the role has expanded. And I think it is because, to some extent, we have the research evidence to show that pharmacists can take on these extended roles. But that's not always the case. Sometimes research is used to actually justify a policy that's already been decided. And you don't get changed just on the basis of research. We have to recognise that. But it's really helpful when research and policy coincide. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say, I'm a bit bullish about prescribing. I think we should do more and more. Um, I, I feel now with the accessibility being the one of the major barriers for, for patients to see doctors, for example, and the rise of diagnostics, I am scratching my head sometimes wondering, well, why aren't we doing more of more diagnostics and actually more uh, more, more prescribing? No, no, I mean, I would completely agree. I'm very bullish about it as well, I guess. But I think you have to take the public and the other healthcare professions with you. So I 
on reflection, I think the way it has gradually come in has been the, the best way to implement it because you've not upset anyone. You've, you've taken small steps which each time have uh, reinforced in the public that pharmacists can take on this role and doctors have learned to trust pharmacists. So I think that is really important to have done it slowly. And whilst we might feel impatient about what we have achieved, if you compare the pharmacist role here with other countries, we are seen as the flagship of using pharmacists to their full potential. So, for example, I've just had three Australian students working with me in Aberdeen, a postdoctoral one and two master's students. And as part of their time here, I arranged them to go and see the hospital pharmacy, a general practice pharmacist and a community pharmacist. And they just said, oh, we wish we could work here because pharmacy is doing so much more here than we'll be able to do at home. So, oh, really? Yeah, which so, really surprised me because I thought they were similarly advanced, but they were just so impressed with what was achieved and how pharmacists were respected. So, Chrissy, you are chair of the Science and Research Board, which is a, um, effectively a network of some of the distinguished educators, science experts, which effectively advise the RPS and, and, and advise me. Uh, particularly on, on important matters relevant to science. Now, why do you think it's important to have the SRB as part of the RPS or a collection network, network of expert, experts like this? <laughs> well, I guess there's several reasons, really. All good things have to have several reasons. So, firstly, as you say, you're the chief scientist, and it's a really important function for the professional society, the RPS, to have a chief scientist. But your time, I know, is limited, and your team is not necessarily got all the broad expertise it needs to cover all the science that underpins pharmacy. I think that's one of the challenges for us as pharmacists that we claim to be a science-based profession but actually if you have to define that science it's a huge continuum going from the really basic sciences right through to the applied sciences and to get that expertise in one person is, is not possible so so first and foremost, you need a network of people that cover that. And then secondly, research should be part of everybody's business in terms of every pharmacist. At the minimum, to understand research, but hopefully to also do more research. But we recognise that pharmacists can't just do that when it's not necessarily their priority, they've got a day job. So one of the roles of the Science and Research Board is to distill the evidence um, into shorter advisory pieces of information, either as fact sheets or articles and journals, so that we can give them the information they need so they, they can continue to have that expertise without having necessarily spent a long time over the details of a subject, but they can have important points so they can still inform the public. And also, I think, perhaps even more importantly to some extent, be the uh, source of advice to the rest of the healthcare team. No, I agree, and, and you know, and clearly to me, it's always good to get independent advice from experts. So that whenever I, I give a judgment or I advise policy or government, it's, it's always good to know you've got you've got people you can trust who will give you the information that you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very important uh, maxim that I conduct my business with as well. What do you think the challenges are of the profession going forwards, and how do you think maybe our collection of experts that, that compose the SRB can help the RPS? Well, I think one of the challenges I've already alluded to that there is such a breadth of science that underpins what we do that to try and make sure everybody is an expert in all of those is impossible. So it's partly about giving people in the roles they have the information that they need, which, as I've said, is one of the things I think we try and do as the SLB. I think the other thing is the fact that whilst pharmacist roles are changing, 
And I think that's great. So they're becoming more involved with the patients and, and using more what we call cognitive skills rather than technical skills. We don't want them to become just any other healthcare professional. And I see part of the Science and Research Board's role is to maintain that, what I would call the pharmaceutical paradigm within what they do as a clinician. And no other healthcare professional has that way of thinking about things. To allow them to do that, we've got to maintain the science in the undergraduate curriculum and keep it going in the postgraduate uh, years. And that is undoubtedly a challenge. But I think one of the successes, particularly that our chief scientist, you, has achieved is getting the GPHC to recognise why it's important we maintain science in the curriculum. So for me, that's the biggest, the biggest challenge because it's our unique selling point. If we lose that understanding of science, we're just another healthcare professional. We're living in a biological era and also the era of living drugs, what have you, but they require processing under aseptic conditions, it's about sterility, cold chain supply, and I think the principles of pharmaceutics, dosage form design, stability, quality, regulatory control, apply not only for small molecules, but also equally for biologicals, and in some cases even more, more importantly so. So that is why it's important that those skills uh, and those science elements are maintained in the curriculum. You're going to need to understand what impacts quality about a dosage form, uh, about a drug. So I think that's very important. And I think a really good interaction with GPHC. I don't think many professions right now, science courses, talk about the pharmaceutics, the dosage form design elements of it, and then how patients interact with those medicines. very important as well. So I think pharmacy is important. Uh, and we try and capture those core skills I think are, are, are needed in our profession. I also have sympathy with a lot of the universities about trying to cram more in, uh, but clearly we have to be relevant, and relevant means you need to be current. Um, and so all those cell therapies and genomics advances, we somehow need to find a way of keeping track of those innovations so that we can inform our patients more effectively. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think all healthcare professionals are struggling with the new developments and cramming them into a curriculum and deciding what can go but the other thing I think is also to make sure that the science that we teach is integrated with the other aspects of the pharmacist role recognizing that 80% will go into a clinical patient facing role we have got to teach the science in a way that is linked to that clinical role so sometimes we talk about a vertical um, curriculum where you teach in streams associated with a condition rather than having all the science and then all the the physiology and then all the pharmacology to have it in an integrated way will make it more relevant so we need to rethink a little bit about how we do that and I think that would also make for more efficient teaching in terms of use of curriculum time Yes, I agree. Interprofessional education, having a be part of multidisciplinary team, being part of that dynamic partnership, I think is very important. And you know, for my own exposure in industry, you know, we were part of project teams. We were, we were always interdisciplinary, and that we had that model in existence well over twenty years ago, and it's still current uh, today. Pharmacy, as it is, is it has so such unique curricula that nobody else teaches. That we, we should keep it and, and make sure that we. We yeah. absolutely have to keep it. I yeah. mean, I just were really concerned if the science were to go. It's just about making sure that we can keep it in a way that is meaningful and, yeah. and realistic as well for the universities. It's, 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 it's basics, isn't it? Because if you don't get it right, we're going to harm patients. It's as simple yeah. as that, you know? And that's the way I look at it. So if a patient's going to chew a modified release tablet and doesn't understand that's bad for them, mm. then, and the pharmacist doesn't understand that, then we've got a major problem on our hands. So, you know, the reason we have the science underpinning the practice is that it's actually a safety feature. 
we actually know what goes in the products. We know what the issues are. You know, uh, adverse reactions, for example, maybe to excipients or to the or to the formulation or to the drug itself. You know, we need to we need to preserve that. I think that that's absolutely true. Like I said at the beginning, the fact that science underpins what we do is what makes medicine safe in all aspects. But it's also about looking carefully at the evidence. So I think the work we're doing at the moment on e-cigarettes is really interesting because, and I think it shows how a pharmacist's mindset is slightly different from other healthcare professions in that we are well aware of what you say about the danger of the excipients and there's a lot of controversy at the moment with other countries banning e-cigarettes and we haven't done that yet here and there's reasons for that. But we, as a, as a profession, are looking critically at the evidence and trying to tease out what's safe and what isn't. Clearly, excipients which have not been tested in humans, for example, is, is certainly raises mm-hmm. an eyebrow with me. Just to round off our, our conversation today, what do you think has been the best achievements for, for, for SRB on your chair, uh, chair, chairpersonship, I suppose we say these days? I mean, I know you mentioned the GPAC interaction, which was, I think, very, very positive. Any other highlights for you uh, about the SRB that you were? Well, I guess two highlights, really, completely different. So one uh, you might (coughs) consider perhaps to be the macro level is the fact that I was part of the Transcom developments when the society separated. And in the Transcom brochure, science didn't exist. It was a subset of education. And I see there's been a sea change in the way the society has recognised science since then very gradually through the formation initially of a panel and now the Science and Research Board and really do feel now that the board is respected by the society, particularly that Paul Bennett, the Chief Executive, comes along and the Chair of the English Board comes along, the President comes along. They seem to really value what we're doing and that wasn't always the case. So that is huge achievement. And the other match, smaller, we had an amazing science and research summit. The atmosphere there was really positive about the value of science. And one of the interesting things about it was the high profile speakers we had who were A, impressive for our members, but B, going sort of the other way around, they were impressed, I think, at what pharmacy was doing. And it was an opportunity for us to showcase to other people outside the profession exactly what we were about. Excellent. And I think uh, as Chief Scientist, uh, the support from Paul Burton, CEO, has been, been amazing. Yeah. I'm a great believer uh, that sometimes to solve the, the current problems, look at the past and look at the our collection museum and some fantastic dosage forms and uh, drug delivery systems and some of the uh, technologies that we use to deliver drugs. Uh, Christine, it's been a real pleasure. People like Christine that made the RPS uh, Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And for next month, I'm going to be speaking to one of our newest members of the SRB, Dr. Amira Gerges, who is a senior lecturer at the University of Swansea, who's going to talk to us about her research expertise in drugs misuse, novel psychotic substances, which has become a theme that both Christine and I have had some concerns over. Certainly, from my perspective, there's certainly an awful lot of issues around novel psychotic substances and those nitrous oxide ampules that we're seeing everywhere. So it'll be a fascinating conversation. And so I look forward to sharing that with you next month.